we asked, gave them a survey about their beliefs um, during pregnancy, what they perceived themselves to be susceptible to um, health-wise, and whether their provider, whether it was a midwife or obstetrician, provided counseling on physical activity during pregnancy. Um, and we found that um, most people understood that there was kind of a general benefit to physical activity during pregnancy. Um, and, but but the benefits were kind of all over the place. There wasn't like one benefit that really stood out. You know, um, what there was the most agreeance on is women, even though they knew it was overall beneficial, they didn't do it. They didn't exercise because they were tired and unmotivated. Those mm. were the two main, and that is consistent across the research. I mean, women we're tired. Yeah. <laughs> we're working, yeah. we're raising kids. Yeah. We're, you know, it's like exercise is low on the list, sure. especially when it's kind of just, yeah, there's a general benefit. I don't really know how it applies to me, you know? Yeah. I'm Luke Story. Hello. I'm Kyle Kingsbury. I'm Sarah Gustafson. I'm Mark Groves, and this is the Holistic OBGYN Podcast. Welcome back, gang. I'm Nathan Riley. This is my podcast, the Holistic OBGYN Podcast, probably the only podcast that does what I do in the women's health space. There's great birth podcasts, namely midwife bliss uh, goddess bliss and dr Stu's uh, birthing instincts podcast um i also love the down to birth show i mean there's there are plenty of podcasts i've been on i can't name them all but there are a lot of good birth podcasts but we do far more than just birth we get into the nuances of lifestyle modification in order to fully reclaim your health reclaim your power as it pertains to pregnancy postpartum and really any stage of your life as a woman or as a man as a partnership and my guest today is a PhD. She's her name is Christiana Rebel, Rebel, and uh, she is a specialist in exercise and pregnancy, but not not just from the practice standpoint. Her um, her body of work is really focused on how can we get this type of counseling into the hands of OBGYN residents and doctors in general. There's a paper an original research paper that she published. Um, she's the first author, Physical Activity, Beliefs and Behaviors During Pregnancy and Their Association with Provider Counseling Among Women in the Southern United States. So she looks from a sort of sociologic lens. Forgive me, Christiana, if you don't consider yourself that, but I, I actually do think that this is relevant. If, uh, if I were to open up a, a clinic and say, hey, free, you know, um, lifestyle modification to improve your pregnancy, but I'm in a city where people don't have any context for that or any, uh, maybe even not even a good perception of, of exercise and whatnot, then, then my advice, you know, albeit maybe very good is going to fall on deaf ears. So Christiana's, uh, dedicated to the task. Her career, I think is heading her down a path where she's going to try to make this a part of our culture, starting with, uh, with physicians and residents and getting them, you know, accustomed and, and, and adequate adequately educated, let's say, informed in order to provide that information to their clients because we know that exercise is the single most important lifestyle modification factor. I know diet, I know sleep, yes, all important. Exercise is the best documented in the data. 
for improving a wide variety of pregnancy-related complications. So if you want to have an easy birth, you got to exercise. If you want to exercise, you got to know where to go. BirthFit is a great option. We'll talk about that in a second. But even your regular OBGYN should be able to talk about these things. So you're going to love Dr. Rebel. Um, I mentioned BirthFit. We've got a couple sponsors that keep the lights on here. BirthFit provides pregnancy and postpartum-specific uh, lifestyle programming from the system of nervous system supported strength and conditioning. And the reason that that's that, that it's important that they exist is that if you go to virtually any personal trainer, even experienced health coaches, many of them have absolutely zero idea how to modify their practice, their programming for the pregnancy and postpartum period. And Lindsay Cantu and her team emphasize, for example, a lying in period after you give birth. There's no reason to get back to lifting heavy weights until you're very, very much well equilibrated after you have a baby. So there's three offers they have for you. I'm going to tell you about, uh, well, one is you can get 20% off their postpartum basics program. Two is you can get one month free in their, uh, their B community. And then three, they've got a fall cohort enrolling now for their, their birth fit um, coaching certification program, which I've taken. And it is absolutely necessary training for anybody who's giving any sort of lifestyle advice to anybody in the pregnancy or postpartum period. That's all I'm going to say. It is that important. And with the code BELOVED at birthfit.com, you'll get $400 off. I highly recommend you take this program, guys. Please, please, please support BirthFit. They support us and... I've taken the program myself and I love it. I apply these principles every day in my practice and I know you will too. Organifi is also sponsoring this episode. Organifi makes the cleanest whole food supplements in the world. And we're talking like whole foods ground up into powders and you mix them into water. It's that easy. I take their green juice in the morning. I take their red juice in the afternoon for a little bump in my B vitamins and some energy. There's also some functional mushrooms there. Um, that do serve as a natural caffeine replacement. It's a great natural boost. And then at, at night, I will blend in a scoop of their gold latte, which comes in a variety of flavors, uh, depending on the season, um, which contains all these antioxidant-rich um, ingredients like turmeric and ginseng. There's also some functional mushrooms in there. I blend it up with some whole-fat organic coconut milk. It's amazing. Those three products comprise their Sunrise to Sunset Kit. And if you go to Organifi.com slash Beloved now, and purchase their Sunrise to Sunset Kit. That's the green, the red, and the gold. You're going to get a free box, 30 servings of their Pure, which is in, going to improve mental clarity, cognition, focus, memory, etc. You don't want to miss out on this opportunity, guys. Go to Organifi.com slash Beloved to take advantage of that incredible limited-time deal. Next up, Bioptimizers. I take their magnesium on a regular basis. Sometimes I'll take it twice a day, but normally I'll take two capsules of their magnesium because I've been under so much stress. I've been in adrenal fatigue in and out now for a couple years, and it's driving me nuts, but I've just been working so hard to get the Born Free Method off the ground and, and all of this stuff. And, uh, and when, you're, when you're really, really stressed out for periods of time, you're going to need some extra magnesium and other electrolyte supplementation. Bioptimizers makes the best because their magnesium breakthrough has seven distinct types of magnesium. So you're not just taking one and then increasing the dose until your symptoms go away, which could be fatigue. It could be restless legs. It could be um, GI issues. It could be agitation. It could be you know sleep disturbance. There's all sorts of things that can pop up with magnesium deficiency. Magnesium is used to drive so many different processes in the body. But if you're only taking one type and your body's not able to um, absorb it or not able to utilize it once it's absorbed, you're not going to get any benefit. You're just wasting your money. 
Magnesium Breakthrough is great because it uses low doses of seven distinct types. You are definitely going to get a benefit. And if two capsules at night isn't isn't sufficiently helpful, like I said, you can double that up and do two in the morning, two at night. It is not a sedative. It does not make you feel like you're suddenly falling asleep and you can't keep your eyes open. It just helps you get to sleep, stay stay asleep, and then wake up feeling refreshed. If it's nighttime, during the daytime, I have noticed no problems at all. It is something that is on my little holistic medicine chest <laughs> uh, perpetually. So if you want to try this out, go to buyoptimizers.com slash holistic OBGYN, and you'll save yourself some money. Uh, it's a 10% discount, by the way, just so you know. And Organifi is also offering a 20% discount using that link I provided. Uh, next up, we've got two more. Bear with me here. Immune Intel HCC. This company is supporting my Twins and Breach conference in August, August 10th through the 13th. By the time you hear this, the spots will probably be completely taken. We've got six spots left, but might as well go to the website and check it out. It's Beloved Holistics, BelovedHolistics.com slash conference. Immune Intel HCC is sponsoring the event. They are uh, Mimi Linquist and Chase Ramey of the Medicine Podcast, one of my favorite podcasts out there. They're going to be coming to the event and talking all about this. But Immune Intel HCC is a um, a functional food made from the mycelia of shiitake mushrooms. It boosts your immune cells, specifically your NK cells, your T cells, by about 300%. improves the interconnectivity of those. It helps with everything from skin conditions to liver disease to um, certain cancers. And it has been clinically demonstrated to help clear persistent HPV, which is why it is a dream to have them supporting the show. So many people come my way asking about HPV, and this is one novel solution in addition to a healthy lifestyle. Mimi and I actually are putting together a course um, on uh, caring for your immune system and clearing HPV naturally, and Immune Intel is going to be featured in that. Um, it's not a conflict of interest. This is a necessary part of any healthy lifestyle. If you have persistent HPV and you don't want to find yourself you know, in the office getting painful biopsies, repeat screening over and over and over again, maybe even eventually ending up with an excisional procedure or heaven forbid cervical cancer. So go to themedicine.com slash products. That's the medicine and there's no E at the end of medicine.com slash products. And um, you'll find Immune Intel there. While you're there, get some of their mushy love. Their, Mimi and Chase are, are like masters of putting functional mushrooms into beautifully tasting products. Their mushy love is a perfect ingredient to add to your morning coffee. They will be, um, uh, will have some mushy love for you to try at this upcoming Breach Conference here in uh, in Lowell. I should say Twins Breach because it's more than just Breach. Um, yeah, so go there. You'll save uh, 10% if you use code BELOVED10 at checkout. And then last but not least, we have a new sponsor. We have a new sponsor. There are a lot of prenatal vitamin companies out there. I have partnered with several of them, Needed, Fullwell, etc. Well, there's a new kid on the block, and we are bringing them on as a sponsor, WeNatal. WeNatal has all of the incredible nutritional benefits that you've come to um, become accustomed to with the products uh, with which I am in alignment on the show, um, past sponsors. Theirs are also a little bit different in a couple uh, important ways. And I'm going to start with just mentioning that they're the only prenatal in the market that contains 400 milligrams of choline. You also only need to take three pills daily versus six to eight for some other brands. Um, they use no fillers, no binders, and they mount and manufacture in small batches. So it makes it possible for you to only have to take three pills versus eight pills. 
um, with the same nutrient density. So I think that those, that's already a big plus because a lot of people have complained, I can't take that many pills or I can't drink that many mixes every day. This is also the only uh, prenatal vitamin that's, that's created with a holistic approach. They care as much about mind and body. And um, they've partnered with Dark, Dr. Mark Hyman. He's also given them, their sta them uh, his stamp of approval. This is a very, very, very beautiful product. And they sent me my own package and I opened it up and I was like, oh my God, this is so lovely. But the best part, I think, is when, you're, when you start ordering supplements or not, you know, it comes in a box within a box and then there's paper and then there's wrapping and then there's these, these little bottles and then there's the cotton in the bottles and all of that. When you order once, you get your starter kit, right? The starter kit comes with a refillable glass jar and a travel vial. And then you get monthly refills shipped. So you are very, being very, very much less wasteful when you are taking Weenatal versus a lot of the other top brands. So, oh, and they also make all, all of their packaging is all made from recycled materials. So this to me is actually just as important as what is in the vitamins, right? Because we are wasting a lot on the shipping and the packaging of so many supplements out there. So if you want to try this out, go to weenatal.com slash beloved, B-E-L-O-V-E-D, and you'll get a nice boost to your fertility and your pregnancy journey for both him and her. It includes a journal for you guys to connect more deeply. You know that this is a big part of my practice. And with this unique code, you're going to get a free bottle of their incredible fish oil at no cost. So weenatal.com slash beloved, support them. We are so happy to have you guys. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Without further ado, Dr. Christiana Rebel talking about how we can get exercise into the mouths and hands of our OBGYN residents, doctors, and the women and families that they care for. <laughs> You're bouncing around in front of the camera here. What, what's, what's going on over there on your side? Are you okay? Do you need a bathroom break or? <laughs> no, I got a um, little Jack here. I don't know if you Jack. can see him. Oh, can I see him. Hi, sweet boy. boy. Yeah, he just had his two-month checkup yesterday. Two months old. Is everything yeah, in, in good, 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 clean bill of health? He's perfect. Right on. Very lucky. Right on. And mm -hmm. do, do you give birth to this baby or did your wife give birth? to this baby this one i gave birth to um as well as my almost six-year-old daughter and then she birthed um our almost three-year-old son so we have That's so cool almost yeah almost six almost three and two months yeah you know i many of i've got plenty of lgbtq specifically lesbian couples that i help to care for that are in my family and they almost always kind of there's this sort of um, separation of power where one person is the support person and one person carries all the babies. I love that you and your wife, what's your wife's name, by the way? Julia. Julia. So you and Julia really split kind of the yeah, the, uh, the, the, the baby carrying responsibilities. Are you going to have more kids, you think? Yeah. Well, if we do, it's her turn. <laughs> you don't have to draw straws. It's already been determined. Yeah. 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 Um, so we'll see. She, she thought she wanted to before this one. And then now we have a newborn. She's like, maybe. No, maybe you don't have to. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I suspect you had probably a pretty, I don't know, I don't want to use the word easy because no birth and pregnancy is easy. We all know that. Yeah. 
but it can be a lot harder if you're not taking care of yourself. So given what your area of expertise is in really lifestyle modification for the betterment of pregnant women um, and their babies and their whole childbirth experience, I'm curious, could, could you share a little bit about your birth story, maybe just so that people can see it in practice, what you preach? Yeah. Well, my wife is also um, very healthy and, and fit, and, and all three births were very different. Um, and it, it was interesting because my first birth, um, I was, had just started my PhD, but I was also um, teaching fitness classes and, and doing health coaching part-time. And so I was very active. Um, strength training, you know, cardiovascular training and teaching. And um, and my daughter came two weeks early and almost shot out of me. Wow. I, like I could, I, I actually, what was hardest was me staying calm. It happened so fast. I, towards the end, was having like a panic attack. Cause I was like, wow, wow. I barely even made it to the hospital. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was very, very uh, crazy for your first. Um, and then the second one, I just... I knew more what to expect. I could feel the early signs of labor. We um, had a, a hospital birth both times. Um, the first time I was delivered by midwife, the second time an obstetrician. And um, and I had a, a, yeah, an awesome birth. Like, I'm just really grateful, I think, because I was just so much more able to stay mindful and, you know, kind of tune into the pain. And, and I, did, I listened to a lot of, like, hypnobirthing podcast yeah. and stuff, you know, just about staying mindful and, and knowing that this pain isn't saying something's wrong. Bingo. It's part of the process getting you closer to your baby, Bingo. you know, yeah. so yeah. just a totally different headspace. And then my son, um, he was all tangled up in the cord and ended up in an emergency C-section. And no it was, yeah, it was not the birth that my wife planned. And she was pretty disappointed about that. But, you know, he came out and he's healthy and happy. So, yeah, yeah. And ja so you have a, a six-year-old daughter, a three-year-old son, and a two-month-old son, right? Yeah. Did your second birth with Jack here, did it go as as quickly as your daughter? Yeah. So I, um, I let me think. Um, he started, I, I started having contractions. Sorry, I, um, going on limited sleep here with <laughs> feeding newborn. You don't say. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, I started contracting maybe around 5 p.m. and he was born at 2 a.m. So Oh, it's still um, very, a lot of women. Yeah, and it was very... just a consistent kind of march towards the finish line. It wasn't, you yeah. know, like the other one, it kind of went from zero to, you know, 100 pretty quick. This yeah. one was just like, yeah, it's kind of a textbook that I could hope for. Yeah, absolutely. You said something really important that I, I want, I think it bears repeating. A lot of people, you know, they, they, they struggle, they grapple with the, the notion of being in pain. And while, of course, I'm a man I've, and, and I don't have a uterus, I will never give birth. And I've attended a bunch of pregnancies and talked to a lot of women who have given birth many times. One person in particular that's, that's on my mind right now has given birth 10 times naturally. It's never completely the same. It's always completely unpredictable in a lot of ways as you've already experienced even between your two kiddos. And of course, Julia's you know, birth was, was quite different. Um, but the pain that's, that a lot of women who can really mm, surrender to the experience and to kind of let go of the reins, they usually don't really use the word pain, which you kind of were skirting around it too, where it's, it's yes, it's pain, but it's not like somebody just shot you in the shoulder. That would hurt like hell. 
And I'm sure childbirth also is very, very painful. I, I'm just going to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. And most women who take hypnobirthing, including my wife, they don't ever really say the painful contractions. They they speak about the pain as more of a function of the body. It's sort of like when you're, you know, you and your 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 wife are both military trained. You were a drill sergeant, and um, I'll ask you about that again in a second because you said something very funny before the recording. But you know, if you are you know rucking through the hills of of Texas for thirteen miles, that's a lot of pain, and doing a lot of push-ups can create a lot of pain in the shoulders and in the scapula and the chest. But you know, being shot or doing this type of work is is quite different from from the these surges that are bringing your baby into the world. I want to just kind of explore that a little bit. How did you, I mean, given that you do have all of this military training, you've been an exercise enthusiast your whole life. And by the way, guys, we're going to be getting into exercise and pregnancy. You know, consider yourself warned. (laughs) Um, How did you, you know, how do you talk to people who haven't had a baby before when they, when they say I'm afraid of the pain? How do you help them work through that if, if you, you know, if you might just gesticulate on that a little bit? Yeah, I think I I uh, view it more as feedback. Mm. You know, like um, I could tell. I'll give you a quick example. When when my obstetrician told me to push, I was pushing, and I I told her I feel like I'm just bearing down. I don't feel like I'm pushing him out. You know, like I I was talking to her during like I I'd, I was like I don't feel like I'm pushing right. You know, and um and it's because I could feel where he was in my body you know and i was i was pushing with all my might and he just felt high still you know and and so anyway i visualized pushing him down and using my breath and and two pushes later he was out you know um and and um and so anyway it it certainly wasn't comfortable but it's like i was it was almost like a conversation i was having with my body about what needed to be done sure sure um and so yeah, it, it it wasn't pleasant. It hurts. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, yeah. you know, yeah. but, yeah. but that that pain served a function. I knew by the increasing intensity that he was closer to being born, yeah. you know, um, mm-hmm. and and I could feel, you know, in in my pelvic floor how close he was, you know, and um, it was a really incredible experience. I'm not sure I, you know, would look forward to doing it, doing it again. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, I, I hear some people they 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 love it and it's this, you know, amazing experience. They have ten me, kids like our like, my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For me it was it was I'm so glad I did it and I'm so glad it's over. It's that's how I explained my military career, <laughs> actually. Yeah. I'm so glad I did it and I'm so glad it's over. Tell me what you say. You're, you're you're a bit of a rule breaker. You're you're studying um the application or let's say the hmm the Let's say the application of the exercise sciences as a yeah. an important part of an OBGYN's training and their clinical practice. That's really where the money's at, because we have plenty of books. I've got a couple here: the Active mm-hmm. Birth. We've got Katie Bowman's Diastasis Recti. James Clapp's, of course, exercising through your yeah. pregnancy. Um, functional anatomy. I mean, I've got so many books here that really do provide us with some insights into how exercise might be beneficial. But if us OBGYNs... I wish more people would read them, honestly. I know. Well, that's that's actually a big thing. It's like, you know, you don't go... What I always say is you don't go to the hardware store to buy 
your steak, your beef and chicken for your meal, you go there to buy nails and hammers and things. And you don't go to your local grocer to buy duct tape necessarily or mouse traps or whatever. There's are, there are certain places you go for specific things. And unfortunately, because we haven't really, really dedicated ourselves in through the lens of just medical education in general to helping um, physicians, you know, in training, appreciate just how impactful adequate nutrition, adequate hydration, adequate movement, like functional movement patterns, sleep, mindset, you know, whatever, that all of these things really play into our health. We all know it. But most doctors are they're the foundation. I mean, with yeah. that stuff, yeah. like it's you know, yeah. it's really hard to to have just basic health. Yeah, exactly. So all of the pharmaceuticals and surgery, I'm great. I'm glad we have that. And you know, you hit by a car, you got to go get fixed by a trauma surgeon. You get a, a big tumor, somebody like your wife can help remove it. Thank goodness. But at the foundation of everybody's health is these basic principles that, while they are simple. It's very, very hard to implement, especially when us doctors don't generally take care of ourselves. So that's really what I think, uh, you know, the crux of our conversation, I think, should entail is, is why is this important and, and how do we actually get it going? So before we do that, though, you're okay. rattling cages by, by doing your work. I don't suspect yep. that you're somebody who really loves just doing the status quo thing. I mean, you've got a, a you're in a lesbian partnership. You lived in Texas despite that. I mean, you guys have a, a pretty interesting story. And both of you, by the way, are like, you know, hoorah, army, army soldiers. So <laughs> now maybe that's not how you would identify. But I see anybody who did eight years in the military as a pretty tough cookie. So yeah, so so having said all of that, uh, tell me, you know, your last name is is pronounced. Rebel. Rebel. Okay, so you were a drill sergeant in the army, and you are you are are drilling young men, and mm -hmm. making them follow your directions and whatnot. Yeah, uh, you stepped away from the military and uh, was a part of that. Your sort of inherent rebel yourself. Yeah, I just you know I I lived in kind of this constant um, with with this understanding that in the back of my mind, the military could tell me to move or deploy or do something, yeah. you know, against my will at any time. And, um, you know, without digressing too much, it was, it was, I was served during the Iraq war after 9-11, you know, when sure. we were, we were in invading, um, a country and I didn't, and, and that when we first went into Afghanistan, my unit was one of the first to go. Um, and I, I didn't go, I was still in, um, my drill sergeant school training. And so I didn't go. And then, once I finished drill sergeant school and started training these young soldiers to go, I was just like, you know, this doesn't feel right. I don't, I don't like this. <laughs> you know, I love the individual. I love pushing people to their, um, their, to, to levels that they didn't know they could reach. Yeah. And that's what I loved as, you know, being a coach or a drill sergeant or someone who just really helps people see their full potential. Um, but then shipping them off to Afghanistan, I was like, that, that feels a little, uncomfortable for me. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, I mean, we we knew so little about what was happening over there. Of course, we were all very, very sad about 9-11, but it's just seemed like it was this path, kind of like in the medical system. You get on the medical train, it's hard to get off the train. Once you get on the war path, it's kind of hard to step away from that. We've invested yeah. so much. And I don't know, have we pulled all of our troops out of Afghanistan yet? I know that it was on the table. Okay, mm -hmm. gotcha. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I remember the big planes taking off and there were a lot of like local Afghanis yeah, that were trying to flee because the Taliban was going to start, you know, 
doing their thing again, I, I suppose. Yeah. But my my wife was there, um, not during the withdrawal, but the year before. She was stationed there for six months when we had a, uh, I think, a one and a half year old. And wow, I was, it, yeah, it was really stressful. Wow, but I feel like I feel like we're going down a whole other path. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I'm totally with you. Let's get to your PhD work. Your PhD is in. What was your dissertation on? Um, exercise and performance psychology. Um, and and my uh, dissertation was in um, the health beliefs um, of women in the South regarding physical activity during pregnancy. Right on, right on. You sent me a, a poster sort of presentation, which for those out there who don't know, when you write a big paper and you, you, you get all your data, you get it analyzed, you write up the paper, usually when you present it, it's more easy to... to to just present it as a poster as opposed to expecting somebody to read your whole paper. But I think it's extraordinarily important work for all the reasons we've described. A lot of doctors know it's important, but we don't have a system that really incentivizes us to take care of ourselves, to even understand the basics of human movement, let alone how to apply it in a, in a functional way for the the clients that, that, that probably need it most. And I think that our maternity yeah. care system would benefit so greatly if we were starting to implement this more. So um, I've already, you know, kind of rung off the books, but in short, people have heard me say this so many times before, virtually every pregnancy complication, those prolonged pregnancies up to 41, 42 weeks where you're really trying to get labor going, um, the protracted labors, your postpartum recovery, everything is impacted in a beneficial way when you're at even fertility, even getting pregnant. Even fertility. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. So um, so tell us, you know, in brief, you know, remember, we're, we don't have a bunch of, of PhD brainiacs like you that are, you know, I, I, I'm one of the, 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 the people that uh, I love the research, but sometimes if we get into the weeds on the statistical analyses, yeah. sometimes I kind of miss the big picture. So maybe just describe to us what you found because your results were pretty compelling. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so basically we had a sample of 292 recently pregnant women um, throughout the South. So every Southern state was represented. And um, we asked, gave them a survey about their beliefs um, during pregnancy, what they perceived themselves to be susceptible to um, health-wise, and whether their provider, whether it was a midwife or obstetrician, provided counseling on physical activity during pregnancy. Um, and we found that um, most people understood that there was Kind of a general benefit to physical activity during pregnancy, um, and, but but the benefits were kind of all over the place. There wasn't like one benefit that really stood out. You know, um, what there was the most agreement on is women, even though they knew it was overall beneficial, they didn't do it. They didn't exercise because they were tired and unmotivated. Yeah. Those were the two main, and that is consistent across the research. I mean, women. We're tired. Yeah. <laughs> we're working. Yeah. We're raising yeah. kids. We're, you know, it's like exercise is low on the list. Sure. Especially when it's kind of just, yeah, there's a general benefit. I don't really know how it applies to me, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and um, they found themselves most susceptible to mental health problems. So not cardiovascular, cardiovascular disease, diabetes. They found themselves most susceptible to, to anxiety and depression. And um, provider counseling had no impact. Uh, more than half the women said they were counseled by their provider on exercise, um, and it had, it had no impact. There were, the only slight correlation was in an uptick of sedentary behavior among those who said they were counseled. Um, 
Really? So, Wait, so they were told it's important and then actually that actually led them to be more sedentary? Is that what you mean? Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I, I speculated in the paper why I think that is, but, but really, um, it, in my anecdotal experience and in the research that I've read, um, most providers frame physical activity advice in do a light activity, take it easy, go for a walk, don't overdo it. Um, don't get your heart rate above 140 because it'll, you know, take oxygen from the, the, um, the baby, you know, like there's all these really cautionary kind of outdated, um, recommendations that, that are given. And even if it's framed in like, you should be active, but don't do X, Y, Z, A, B, you know, whatever. Um, well, that's going to scare women, Yeah, you know, um, like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't, you know, keep going to the gym. I'll just go for a walk and then you get busy and you don't. Um, Hmm. so, so yeah, counseling with a, you know, kind of a negative twist to it can certainly, um, decrease the physical activity. So we, I I think people who listen to my show, people who come to me, like if they want a home birth, if they're not exercising and eating well, I actually will decline the, 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 um, the opportunity to make a bunch of money. I, it's not important enough to me to end up in trouble when I know that this person hasn't cared for the temple. Having said that, as a disclaimer, I realize not everybody can afford a $200 Orange Theory membership or a fancy spinning class membership. I get all of that. But I would, you know, eventually in this conversation like to get into what do we mean by exercise? So we'll let's park that because you don't need to be a a competitive power lifter or going to play racquetball every day. Racquetball, no, no. people even play racquetball anymore. I love racquetball, but basketball or whatever every single day. Yeah. This is really a matter of just moving your body and reminding your musculature, your integument, that we need to stay flexible. We need to stay mobile. So we'll get into that. But I also want. I personally haven't had yeah. a gym membership in probably um, five or six years. Um, yeah, I yeah. I walk my kids back and forth to school, you know, and, and around town about three miles a day. That's you know my main form of exercise. Well, since since anyway. you since you brought it up, let's actually talk about it then. Sorry. You know, so you've got a six year old, a three year old, and a two month old. My wife and I have a three year old and a one and a half year old. Um, I too, I we have a YMCA membership. We maybe go once per week. I also had a CrossFit membership. It's a, it's all expensive, and it wasn't funny. I was able to utilize it as a as a busy dad, but. Just like your client, your your um, you know, the participants in your study, my emotional uh, energy starts to become unraveled. I start to become a very agitated, uh, not a mean guy. I'm never mean, but I just have a lower, sort of a shorter fuse for the rigors of being a dad. So a lot of people, when they have kids, they start to quote let themselves go and not to prioritize those things. And yeah. um, and what I want to tell everybody out there is. As as I'm sure I'm hoping you'll fully clarify in the city of Los Angeles, when we were in LA, we didn't even have a car for the first two years, and we were biking everywhere, and we were walking and carrying our groceries, farmer you know farmer style, all the way back from maybe a mile and a half away at the grocery store. That was our exercise, and as a busy resident yeah. at Kaiser in, in LA, there wasn't a lot of time to exercise. I did have a kettlebell that I would keep in the call room and just go and swing it a couple times once in a while. But really, it, it came down to how can we fit this in? And is this a priority? If it becomes yeah. a priority, if we can convince you that it's a priority, you don't have to actually even dedicate that much time to it. So 
So, you know, I, I won't spoil your story because you've got three babies and you've got a, a two-month-old. Tell me about your routines. Like, like, how do you fit in this very, very critical thing into your life? Well, my kids go to school just under a mile away and it's slightly uphill um, all the way right there. On. <laughs> and I carry a 12-pound baby in a wrap like I am now and I push a double stroller and I get looks and comments almost every day because yeah. I'm just like I'm I'm like this unicorn that people are like what are you doing why aren't you in a car <laughs> you know um it, it, like it, it's it's amusing to me how people are kind of baffled by the fact that I'm walking yeah. with three kids yeah. um but that's that's honestly my main form of exercise and it's also my kind of main form of stress relief too, sure. you know that 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 walk and that routine and then it's kind of time with my kids too that transition to and and from school so it serves a lot of purposes for our family yeah absolutely i mean you know so i don't know if we've even said this yet but you live in in los angeles in santa monica where yeah. you've got a, a be one of the world's most widely wildly popular beaches but you're mm -hmm. 10 you're 10 blocks away from that when i was in la it was very very hard to get there and to think i was actually going to schedule volleyball or whatever else um, and there were people that also did that. You can go down to the to the rings. Do they still have all that at Venice and whatnot? Yeah, all the uh -huh. you know, acrobatics and stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you know there there are plenty of ways to stay active in LA. But I will also say that the vast majority of even my colleagues were in their car for almost every single activity. Mm -hmm. But even if you do have a car, you know you would have to try to get, you want to park as close to the beach as possible. Why not just save on parking? Park five yeah. blocks away. And even skateboard or, or, you know, whatever. You could jog, you can walk, you can do whatever. That is also a part of living a healthy lifestyle. So, um, yeah. you know, you pull up to the grocery store, park at the other side of the parking lot and carry your groceries out of the store. That might be all the exercise you get during the day, but it's better than just being sedentary in your car, in your apartment, in on the escalator or whatever else. Mm -hmm. So it's just a matter That's of fitting I, it in. I prefer the the term physical activity over exercise because physical activity can be just what you said, you know, like parking further away um, or taking the stairs instead of the the, the elevator or um, you know just just staying active and the the kind of um, lifestyle. Like what I'm really a proponent of is is um, providers understanding how to offer lifestyle counseling. Sure. You know, like understanding where your patient is what's their starting point right how can how can we just build on that a little bit you know um and uh in the in the paper um i suggested motivational interviewing i'm i'm sure you've heard of it yeah tell um, tell everybody a little bit about that because we have midwives doulas childbirth educators even some doctors that are listening yeah so so basically just in a nutshell it's about kind of meeting the 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 client or the patient where they're at rather than and and coming alongside them in the journey of of um, kind of helping them come to solutions, overcoming barriers. You know, okay, your your number one barrier is you're fatigued. Do you know exercise during pregnancy actually improves and increases energy? It won't make you more tired. You know, um, so it can be a solution to your main barrier. Uh, so just kind of figuring out where their their problem points are and helping be part of the solution, and also asking open-ended questions and letting them come to their own yeah. conclusions yeah. rather than this paternalistic top-down approach of like, I'm the doctor, I'm things. the midwife, I'm going to tell you what you need to do, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. you, you, you met, you 
kind of glazed over this before, but let's, you know, as, as a part of counseling, sometimes we give all of the bad things and then we also say, but you can still move, right? And they've already been sort of yeah. now conditioned to believe that it's unsafe. There are very few uh, movement patterns, exercises, sports activities that I'm like, it's a hard no for me to be doing that. Like rugby. Great example. Maybe not a great Downhill idea skiing, do. maybe. Downhill skiing, yeah. I even had a friend who was pregnant and we were rock climbing in a gym setting, you know, in San Diego. And, you know, you can fall and bump your belly, but she was a good climber and she was just conditioning her arms and her fingers and using some, you know, low grade, you know, techniques and whatnot. Um, I want to ask you, though, you know, for anybody out there who has been told this, who is conditioned to believe that it's not safe to exercise in pregnancy, are there any guidelines, principles that you give people to bear in mind, apart from just moving? Like if they did want to get into some some like regimented uh, drill sergeant-esque exercise, what would you tell them, you know, to be cautious of? Yeah, um, I think mainly it's uh, cautious of anything that doesn't feel right. You know, that kind of learning to, to listen to your body because everyone's everyone's different. You know, I know some people will say, stay away from planks and crunches. And I'm like, well, I had clients it, um, when I was doing um, prenatal fitness coaching, I would have them do a plank where they were elevated on a bench. And so their body was at, you know, kind of a decline and their and their hips were were up slightly. So their belly was pulled in. And we started that early in pregnancy and then maintained it throughout the pregnancy. We didn't start it in sure. the third trimester, you sure. know, um, or or kind of modified crunches on a stability ball where they're they're at a decline angle and they're kind of rounding their hips at the same time they're rounding their core and they're focusing on their breath. I think core work is important because you're going to ignore your core for, you know, nine to 12 months, however long, you know, in the, yeah. in the postpartum period too. Um, one, it's going to atrophy, but then two... Um, during childbirth, you need those muscles, you know, like, so keeping that mental connection to, you know, going back to our earlier conversation about pain, exercise and physical activity is a wonderful opportunity to, to cultivate that mind-body connection. And, you know, I, I remember telling a, a woman to, um, oh, I forget what it was. I gave her some instruction, like, listen to her body when she was like, oh, I can't, can't really do this thing. I was like, just tune in and listen. And she's like, what am I listening for? Like, what is it saying? You know, it's like, it's a skill yeah. you have to really develop. It doesn't just come naturally if you've never sure. practiced it before. Sure. Yeah, I think that that is great advice. You know, in our first pregnancy, so the other thing people don't realize is, number one, every subsequent pregnancy, you're older. So like you have a slightly different anatomical makeup and you've given birth. So the baby's going to sit a little differently. If it feels right and you feel good afterwards and you don't you're not like aching with pain the next day, it's probably something that was good for you. Um, You know, when I my wife and I were pregnant with our first, we were on it was a bit of a mistake, but we were doing a lot of hiking hikes around here. We didn't have another child yet. So it's just me and her connecting in the woods. And we had some of these lovely walks out in, in Red River Gorge and whatnot. But there was one morning where I was like, hey, why don't we get on a hike? It was a Saturday. And um, I said, do you want to like, do you want to do a little bit of a longer hike today or whatever? She was like, yeah, let's go really long. And I was like, wow, that's, she's so powerful. And I think she was like 34 weeks or something. So I picked a nine mile hike. Oh my gosh. Um, because she was joking. She was like, let's do like 13. And I was like, come on, babe. I, I like cut it down for her. Very paternalistic. But she was completely kidding. And when we were about 
seven, six miles in, she had asked like, so how far are we going anyways? I was like, oh, we've got about three more miles. And it was the next step she took where she was like, get me out of these woods. I can't believe you took me on a nine mile hike. And she was so sore, couldn't even walk the next day. There is such a thing as overdoing it. So, yeah. so. Um, but I would say she wasn't listening to her body. She was listening to you. Had she been listening to her body? Totally. She gone on totally. <laughs> it was like a lesson for her. Like last time I listened to you when you <laughs> plan the hike, especially now that, you know, that we've got kids and everything else. But um, I wanted to also talk to you a little bit about, and you've probably seen this through your, you know, experience with young guys in the military in particular. You know, they don't have kids. They maybe aren't even partnered. And they can go four or five hours of working out at a time every single day. They recover quickly. They are in, you know, large and in charge. They've got it all figured out. Can we talk a little bit about sort of an obsession with exercise as well? Oh, yeah. Maybe you can, you know, just riff on that a little bit, because I actually think that that's another equally problematic space for people to enter. for tuning into this episode real quick uh uh message for me um, a lot of people have been reaching out to me for support so much so that i sometimes have to turn people away but i'm hiring and developing and growing um let's just say faster than i thought uh, i would have to um but people out there want this information um as you know this podcast doesn't provide medical advice but if you wanted to work with me as your doctor bring me onto your care team whether you're in the preconception phase, you're in pregnancy, you're about to have a baby, you need a second opinion, or you need support postpartum in sort of unpacking what it was that happened in your birth. And, and really what I'm doing the vast majority of now is, is both pre, uh, fertility, preconception counseling, and functional medicine, as well as in order to optimize your, your fertility. But of course, that also optimizes your pregnancy outcomes as well. But I also do quite a bit of women's health using not just allopathic medicine, actually those tools I haven't had to dip into, you know, as, as often as you might think. I really do love to rely on functional medicine testing in order to investigate through a detailed clinical history, storytelling, what was the upstream cause um, or root cause of what it is that's ailing you. I work with women who have gut issues, endocrine issues, immune system issues, nervous system issues. I work on all of that stuff. And you can find me if you want to work with me at BelovedHolistics.com. You can click on Holistic Pregnancy and Postpartum Support at the top. Um, book a consult, buy a package. Generally, working with me through a package is the best way to do it. I implement all of the products that you hear about on the show and then some, including Dutch testing. I love the GI effects analysis from Genova. And I order a slew of labs and um, some of the highest quality supplements through Rupa Health and, um, and Fullscript, respectively. So find me at BelovedHolistics.com if you want to bring me onto your team. I'm happy to see you. All right, let's get back now to Christiana. Let's talk more about exercise. <laughs> I want, 
I want to start this by saying that's one of the reasons I got out of the fitness industry and I'm trying to move more towards influencing healthcare because I was working with these people who like they didn't need it, you know, like they didn't need it to reduce chronic disease or have better prenatal outcomes. They they needed it for kind of their own. And I'm sorry if there's any client, former clients listening. I'm not talking about you. Talking about everybody Um, but you. Don't worry. (laughs) Um. It was more of like kind of vanity purposes or, you know, uh, often people would come see a health coach or, or a personal trainer for um, company too. You know, they're a stay-at-home mom. Maybe they're on their second or third kid and it's, it's kind of their social hour. Um, so anyway, I, I digressed a little bit from your question, but um, there are people where it becomes almost a disorder. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I had, I, I can think of several stories where one woman ended up fracturing. Actually, I've had two women I, I knew and, and previously worked with who end up fracturing their hip. And I'm talking like early 30s. Wow. You know, and it was because they, 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 there was so much output, cardiovascular, you know, running impact. Um, and very little input, like they weren't nourishing their body yeah, to, yeah. to make up for what they were requesting of it, you know? So, um, so it can, it can be just as, as, or even more so, you know, detrimental. You can really, you can end up with overuse injuries. You sure. can also end up, you know, with, um, not gaining enough weight because people, excess gestational weight gain is a huge problem in this yeah. country, especially in the yeah. South where my, my focus is. Um, but but um, there are, as I'm sure you know, major problems at, when you don't gain enough weight. So it's it's all about balance. Totally. It has to be has to be that kind of happy medium. Yeah, I mean, I I was born of that breed that you're talking about. This sort of I don't need to do this for my heart health. I want to do this because I want to get more jacked. I want to have the yeah. obliques popping. I want my abs to keep popping. And even yeah. in residency, I was sleeping maybe four hours per night night shift, Mm -hmm. never even seeing sunlight, go home and crash for four hours, wake up a little early so I could stop at the gym and bang out a 30-minute really hard metabolic workout. Probably no warm-up or cool-down. Yeah, I mean, like a little, little like, you know, pass-throughs and maybe some stretching afterwards, but I got to get to work, right? So I was in there crushing it for 30 minutes, get to work, rinse off a little bit, put my scrubs on, and I'm working for 18 hours. Do it again over and over and over again. I found myself in severe adrenal fatigue. And this then we expect these providers to counsel their their clients <laughs> and patients on how to you know be healthy. And, yeah, and, yeah. And they're often some of you know I'm I'm married to one. I have to constantly remind her self care. Go to yeah. your physical therapist. That's your right. back is jacked. That's right. You know, That's from right. bent over doing surgery for eighteen hours yesterday, exactly. or or working forty eight hours straight with no sleep. Or That's you know, right. That's right. Yeah. When I met Paul Check, who has a a big institute teaching holistic lifestyle coaching. I don't know. Are you familiar with the Czech Institute? Um, I I don't think so. Oh, he's, might... he's great. I mean, it's... He's... You know what? That sounds vaguely familiar. I'd have to see it. Sorry, go ahead. He, he, he like, was the first guy that, to introduce the Swiss ball as, like, a form of exercise for, mm-hmm. for adding in some stability and all of that. But, I mean, he has all these... Patents great for and... pregnancy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I met him through their pregnancy, and, and I've done quite a bit of uh, training through their institute, and he's a good friend. But one of his longest clients, he's another friend of mine, Jason Picard, he was a guy working in Wall Street, not taking care of himself, you know, the partying, the alcohol, the drugs, making lots of money, Wolf of Wall Street kind of thing. 
He was extremely overweight and then found a health coach that was trained by the Czech Institute and he got his life turned around, left finance. And um, the coach sent Jason's picture. I'm not sharing any like private information. He talks about this all the time on podcasts, but he had sent a picture to Paul to say, look at the great results of my client. And Paul said, so you took him from soggy bread to burnt toast. That guy's got to stop exercising for at least, you know, X number of months. Like he is in adrenal fatigue. Like he is sputtering along. And Jason will even become an obsession. You, it, you know, you totally. start to feel good and you want to feel better. And totally. if you don't have that, it's almost like you need your fix. That's right. Get it That's right. And the, the media teaches us that as long as you have a, you know, rock hard abs and back back muscles and traps, that you're in good health. But the problem is, you can actually take this too far if you're not adequately nourishing the yin, as I call it, or working in or or doing some rest and recovery, especially if you're not sleeping and well nourished. So, balancing these out, these things out, is really, I think, important. You know, and in pregnancy, it's not we're we're not you know in, in residency and staying up all night, but insomnia is a huge problem oh, yeah. during pregnancy. Oh, yeah. And then you don't have um, you know the the physical and mental energy, and so you turn to sugar or caffeine. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, so so there's there's these kind of downward spirals of health that that is often. Um, you know, triggered by pregnancy and then yeah. say you have another kid a couple of years and you haven't fully got back on track, you know, with your sleep and your nutrition. And um, like not to dive into the to the research too hard, but there's a lot of. Um, Go for it. Go research. hard into the research, please. I, I want to know. I, I love these types of conversations. There's a there's a lot of research that says pregnancy is the onset of um, or or I should say is a predictor of future cardiovascular um, disease and it's and and future uh, risk of obesity. And it's because you gain, you know, most women gain too much weight during their pregnancy. Um, most women decrease their physical activity and um, and then add two or three more of those on top of it. And by the time you have your fourth kid, you're 100 pounds heavier than you were. You're, you know, you, you've kind yep. of lost yep. um, any sort of preventative care that that you were doing when you were younger yeah um and that's why you know it um i think cardiovascular disease is the number one one killer you know and, and it remains um, it remains victorious <laughs> it's, it's, it's tragic and and one thing i want to say there's a there's a lot of talk um in the in the maternal you know health world recently about the the new maternal mortality numbers came out and they're higher than ever um, what isn't talked about as much is the maternal morbidity. So um, basically the near-death experiences. Right. So I've heard numbers between 50 and 100,000 women in our country almost die during pregnancy um, and childbirth because mostly because of um, chronic health conditions like diabetes, cardiovascular disease, um, you know, which can be prevented or treated by these lifestyle changes we're talking about. And the fact that it's not a part of basic healthcare is like mind boggling to me. Like, this yeah. is the low hanging fruit of health. But let me ask you, Nathan, um, most of the doctors I know, so I think I'm going to know, sorry, I keep bump my, bumping my computer. Uh, most of the doctors I know say nutrition or motivational counsel, uh, interviewing, like counseling methods were options for electives. They weren't required um, and nothing was discussed about exercise. I don't think that we ever, ever had a professor talk about, you know, designing a basic exercise program. They would say it in sort of passing, you know, cardiology, whatever, 
Like you can do these things, but if those don't work, you have to do the medications. And now for 55 minutes of the 60 minute lecture, we're talking about how beta blockers and calcium channel blockers and whatnot work. Yeah. So it's pharmacology and surgery and, you know, not to get, you know, rattle anybody's cages too much, but we know that pharmaceutical companies are giving as much money as lobbyists to our government officials as they are medical schools. I, I don't have the numbers pulled up right now, but there is there are millions of dollars being invested by Pfizer, Bayer, you know, Moderna in order to support our many medical schools. And it's not going to go well if their professors are saying, guys, we are using too much um, nifedipine or we're using too much metoprolol, right? So yeah, and nutrition and exercise don't make the hospital any money. Right. There's no money in that, you know? And so going back to our analogy of going to the hardware store, your doctor has absolutely no fucking clue what a healthy diet actually looks like. They might be even going by a food pyramid, and they're going to be telling you eat whole grains every day, which is fine for some people. But if you are trying to be optimally healthy, that giant rung on the bottom of the food pyramid that we all grew up with absolutely is not the way to be healthy. Like there is no opinion here if you're vegetarian. Yeah, right. Like whole grains, folate enriched, you know, your pasta and all that. Like it's it's just completely nonsense. And us doctors. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm all riled up now. (laughs) Please get riled up. Let's get let's get fired up. (laughs) Well, but then you have the food industry at the same time. Like they're the lobbyists that are, you know, making um, the the school lunch sure. requirements and and the hospital um, food requirements and and then the food industry has all these labels and these buzzwords all natural. Yeah. You know, what is what does that mean? Yeah. You know, like yeah. there's all these unregulated terms. Yeah. If what I tell people is, if your food is trying to convince you that it's healthy, it's probably <laughs> that's a good, a really good point. If you need to read a, a you know a 500 word ingredient list, uh, you know, on the back, it's probably not real food. But, yeah. the, you know, the other, since you brought up, like, the corporate sort of investment here, go to any hospital cafeteria. Go to the Kaiser. Walk in there. It has a beautiful cafeteria with so much potential to make any amount of healthy food that we could possibly ask for. And they're, they're you know, rich in sugar, starches, carbohydrates, vegetable oils. It is a absolute disgusting mess in a hospital cafeteria from with Kaiser— who has a non, it's a nonprofit HMO, largely West Coast based, but they've got hospitals everywhere now. And their CEO boasts, at least back when I was a resident in 20, uh, I think it was 2018 actually, that I, after my residency, but I can't remember his name, Tyson, Bernard Tyson, something like that. He walked away with like $8 million or something ridiculous as his salary. So while we are, you, us heroes in medicine who know all the signs that want to shame and and discard any sort of alternative therapies and this and that, we are going to those hospitals and not voting with our dollars. We're going and buying all of that shit. Pepsi's over here, Coke's over here. Get all of your slushies, get all of your Debbie's, you know, you know, zebra cakes and all of that. It's all right there in a an institution that advertises safety and healing. So this is far more of a bigger problem than the consumer not demanding it or the doctors not having the education. The entire thing is a is a, a perfect blend of all of the ingredients that lead to a nation who just got through a pandemic that, sorry, I, I didn't mean to say that, but whatever, the yeah. a, a COVID thing, <laughs> the COVID moment, it's, it was a, a pandemic in which there was 
up to 60% of people admitted in, to hospitals were either obese or diabetic. Like, yeah, I mean, what the hell are we doing? So, sorry, that was my diatribe. Your turn to have a little. No, that's moment. good. And and I'm I'll just piggyback off of that. And who were those people? They were the the um the people who were already struggling in society. Right. You know, the the right. people working service based jobs, living in inner you know uh, generational housing or or right. you know kind of uh, multi unit housing, like close quarters with yeah. with um, yeah. people and and um. You know, it's just, it's really frustrating because, again, I'll, I'll go back to my research is mostly on the South because those are the people we need to reach. Yeah. More than half of our births in this country are are covered by Medicaid. Um, wow, I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Because, because uh, you know, a lot of... Um, and I'm I'm cautious about the, the rabbit holes I go down because this is also a, a topic about... Um, Health equity, systemic racism, the history of healthcare in our country, the oh, history yeah. of obstetrics and where it originated. And um, you know, in my dissertation, I had 250 <laughs> pages just to like rant about that. We 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 um, go into that all over the show, so you're in good company. Trust me. Yeah, yeah it's, it's an important and, part and of the history. Acknowledging the historical inequities that have historical inequities that have led to the current maternal health crisis, yeah. or or just. You know, let's just say health crisis in this country yeah. in general of yeah. um, uh, chronic disease. And, and yeah. in my study, 292 people, um, I think at least half or more than half were either overweight or obese. Um, and this was just a random sample. Interestingly, um, most of them rated their health as um, from good to excellent. So there's no this, there's this kind there's this kind of disconnect between I think I think in our country you know being overweight or obese is so prevalent that that we've kind of forgotten or maybe maybe it's too taboo to talk about now I I, I don't know I'm almost kind of like should I be even saying this yeah. because I am all about body positivity and you can be overweight and 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 healthy you know there's health benefits to physical activity and and all that sure. stuff even. Sure. You know, overweight is not, does not automatically equate to unhealthy, but um, it's certainly a precursor to to future risk of chronic disease. Um, it's just a fact. I, it's it's not a, a, a you know a judgment. It is just the facts. Yeah. We have a very yeah. very overweight population, and yeah. and to add on to that, for as like a second disclaimer to my disclaimer, we are. I am really really not. This conversation is not meant to make people feel bad about how they totally. live their lives. There are a vast, probably half of our country cannot afford to eat the way that I eat or that you eat. Yeah. And we prioritize our resources so that we can get the highest quality beef from our regenerative farm down the road. We invest in organ meats. We um, get the cleanest water. That is not a luxury everybody has. But when we're looking at Kaiser and their CEOs walking away with millions of dollars per year, in the very least, you're admitted to a hospital, you should be getting the highest quality food. That should be a model for how to be, you know, how to live a healthy life. Otherwise, where are people going to learn it? You know, we have a bunch yeah. of disenfranchised, um, very homeless, very, or I should say houseless, because, mm -hmm. um, because you know, a lot of people, they make their home in, in uh, what's the area in, uh, in L.A.? Um, row, uh, gosh. Skid Row? Skid, skid Row, not Skid Row. Is it called Skid Row? Yeah, Skid Row with all the tents, like in, in yeah. every direction. 
there's a lot of people that have a lot of mental health health issues and drug abuse, sub poly substance abuse everywhere. disorders. So this is not a blame and shame. This is hey, we at the top, if we are the ones yeah. that are, are are holding the key to to health, we also need to be modeling it. And us doctors, physical therapists, and and PhDs should be demanding that hospitals can do better in the very least. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let me piggyback off that and say, going back to pregnancy, um, that's when uh, women birthing people, they see their provider more during pregnancy and that prenatal period than they ever will in their life. Right. So what an opportunity to do basic health literacy education, you know, and I'm talking basic that most people don't have. And that's you should be striving for 150 minutes of physical yeah. activity a week yeah. that breaks down to about 20 to 30 minutes a day. Even just that basic knowledge, you know, and and I, um, most providers don't don't share that. They, I don't even know if they know it. You know, yeah, it's like the yeah. basic recommendation basic. of this is what you need for your basic human health. Um, and even even that like little tidbit isn't being shared. And and in in the south in particular, there's a lot of rural areas. There's a lot of food deserts where they don't have access to healthy food. Um, you know, and, and there's there's just a lot going against them yeah. um, and a lot of the barriers to just basic health. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's 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 maddening and that that providers don't not not just that they don't share it, but that it's not prioritized in medical training, that this isn't, you know, isn't something that is just expected. They tell every patient, you know. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the big things that I really pissed a lot of people off in residency uh, that that pissed a lot of people off in residency about my practice was, you know, they line you up with five patients in the morning, five clients, healthy women, young women, uh, many of, of whom actually do have resources, but they've got five there. And you're a resident, so you're a little bit slower than the attendings. So uh-huh. they give you five people. You end up spending maybe 20 minutes with each person. And a big part of that is also doing the PAPs and doing the ultrasound and doing the whatever. But there wasn't a lot of time left over for me to educate them about some basic you know, human foundational movements. Like, let's just yeah. do a squat or a lunge. Here's some important stretches that I think will really help you through your pregnancy. I would end up going over and they would say, what the hell took you so long? And I'm like, I, I didn't get to cover everything. And they're like, you need to get faster. So the first yeah. thing to go that I'm not going to get sued for is the time I'm spent with lifestyle mm-hmm. modification. But that should be a, a requisite part of our maternity care system. And maybe yeah. a big part of that is people like you educating the masses around how critical the the gap is between our education. I mean, I, I took it upon myself to learn everything. I know I was an Ironman distance triathlete, and so I kind of had it, but there was no time for me to implement it. So it's sort of system-wide, we have some really you know big disparities there. Uh, well, and I will, I'll, I'll yeah. just quickly say um, that that's the argument I hear a lot, and I and I, I believe you. I, yeah. I'm, not, yeah. I'm not trying to like say, well, actually, um, that's why... Uh, I'm such a proponent of like the evidence-based counseling methods right. because something like motivational interviewing, you get straight to the point. It's not, you know, like here, I need to, I need to teach you this whole workout program sure. or I need sure. to, I need to teach you everything. It's okay. Where are you starting from? Here's how you can, you know, build on that or, yeah. or here you're, you're not starting at all. Okay. Here's the basic starting point, you know, so yeah. basically you're just helping and then you, and then you reiterate it every time where it's kind of like, you know, consistent, um, it, it's not all at once. It's about being consistent and like bringing it up. This is yeah. a priority. Have yeah. you been doing what we talked yeah. about? You know. Yeah. 
Yeah, my, my approach, actually, I, I guess I would call it motivational interviewing. I didn't know that term until I did my fellowship down in San Diego in hospice and palliative care, but motivational interviewing around, you know, your 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 wishes, your values around end-of-life issues was really powerful. Yeah. But um, when I was seeing these, these, you know, women in the clinic, I would be trying to kind of multitask and also taking the opportunity if they said, hey, how's it going today, doc? I would say, I feel great. I went on a run this morning and I feel so great. You know, tell me about what your day looked like. You know, are you able to fit in exercise? And sometimes you just had to fit it in there. And sometimes that would dominate the conversation. Um, and people were asking, like people actually wanted to know. You're in LA, you're seeing all these like hot dudes and babes on the beach looking good and you want to look and feel good too, whether you're pregnant or not. So um, without me imparting what I was telling people, I'm curious, what are, if somebody's listening and they're that person who's like, I know I need to do this. I feel like I'm a little bit more motivated after hearing um, the good Dr. Rebel <laughs> speak about this. What are some, what is like, somebody's brand new to this. What, what would you tell them as a good starting point? Um, so two thoughts come to mind. Obviously, just walking is a full body, you know, yeah. and that's the number one recommended um, exercise for, by doctors. That's what it is like the easiest to recommend. Everyone yeah. knows how to walk, you know. Um, and, uh, but, but finding something you enjoy. Sure. I personally do not enjoy the gym. Um, there's a lot of benefits to going to the gym. I don't like it. So I'm not going to do it consistently if I dread it. Yeah. But I do like being outside. So I'm going to find activities that allow me to be outside, whether that's a hike or, or, you know, a long walk or, or whatever. So yeah. finding something that gets your heart rate a little bit elevated, um, and, and, you know, a little bit of sweat, like, um, maybe a little I, sunshine I, in the morning, get your diurnal rhythms yeah, back on. Yeah. Indeed. Um, mm. and yeah, I, I, I encourage people to use uh, what I call the, the talk test and not worry about heart rate and, mm. you know, counting all that stuff. And just, you should, it sh if you're really getting a good workout, it should be difficult to carry on a conversation. Um, and that's how to judge the intensity. So people are worried about, oh, can I get my heart rate above 140? Can I do this? Can I do, can you carry on a conversation? Um, good. Then you're not at your max. <laughs> I would push it a little easy? further. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is it, is it too easy? Then you should probably, you know, kick it up a notch. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's great advice. And, you know, I, I can't, I can't emphasize enough the importance of doing something that's going to tone to, to at least build a little bit of muscle mass as well, especially if you have a history of gestational diabetes, or let's say you've, you know, you quote, failed your glucose challenge with that toxic glucola crap in the beginning of your pregnancy. Yeah. There's, there's, there's so much evidence. And I don't, I, I get part of the issue I think here is that when doctors do speak, you know, very, very frankly about this, it is taken as blame and shame. So when I say that prevention of gestational diabetes is possible, I'm not saying you didn't do it right. I'm saying, I wish I could have helped support you in that way because yeah. none of my clients get gestational diabetes because we're dialing in all the lifestyle stuff. And a big part of that is if we do nothing else, maybe you don't have time to go on a long walk. Let's pick up our kid and squat a couple times. Let's lunge a couple times with them. Let's go up and down the stairs. Let's build some muscle in that beefy posterior chain because that is actually going to improve your insulin sensitivity. And it could be something yeah. as simple as that. You're not going to get shredded in pregnancy, you're going to maintain and perhaps even improve your metabolic function throughout. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up too, because using those large muscle groups, 
Yeah. So, you know, a, a squat mm-hmm. is is possibly the best thing you can do, especially yeah. when you're, you know, like like me holding a little 12 pound. He's about to be 13, 14, 15. You know, I'm going to be holding him. He's going to be getting bigger. I need to I need to be strong enough to yeah. be able to support that weight, you know, and um, and and squats. You're working your thighs, your butt, your, you know, your core, um, your balance. And so it just it's like the most bang for your buck that's that, right. that you can that's do. Right. And it can even be just body weight. It doesn't have to be. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I would I would probably add, you know, um, maybe, you know, if you wanted to add something for your upper body, a push up on an incline or, you know, a deadlift or something. These are big muscle groups you're working. So don't need equipment. Don't even need equipment. Absolutely. Um, I want to wrap up our conversation talking a little bit about what, you know, maybe women can do in the postpartum period. I think a lot of people worry about that. And I want to add that when I was in Encinitas, um, I've talked to Lindsay Cantu. She's the owner of BirthFit. Used to be yeah, in LA. Yeah, I see you repping the, the shirt. I, I am. I, you know, I'm going to make Lindsay's Lindsay proud here. They're a sponsor yeah. of the show, full disclosure. But she invited me into yeah. her her um. I, I love what she's doing. She's incredible, and she just announced that she's also pregnant. So we're getting her to see her walk the walk the walk. But I'm taking her um, postpartum, or I'm sorry, her BirthFit coaching program, and I've also taken their postpartum basics program, both of which are just sensational. Like she is mm-hmm. such a a breath of fresh air and so invested in in the experience and and taking in and honoring people where they're at and trying to help people fit it into their life. Yeah. And something she always, you know, she said, which I think you mentioned earlier is you are training for a very, very hard thing here. So let's yeah. get our bodies in shape. Let's get our hips open. And um one thing get that, connected to your body. So you yes, have that relationship yes. with well, you mentioned that. You said, I can feel where my baby is. That's another reason, this proprioceptive awareness of what is right and, you know, how do I feel right now? It's not something and what's, which I can what's do. And good pain versus bad pain, yes. you know, like, yes. oops, that hurts, or, ah, this feels like, a, like I'm really working. This is a workout. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, so BirthFit, I think, does a really good job of this. There are fortunately some other groups out there, uh, you know, that, that I think provide some great education. Um, but one area that I am still you know, a little bit extra thoughtful about. Um, the first thing is the pelvic floor. So I had a lot of women in Encinitas who were, it was like the Pilates capital of the world. They were so focused on training their core that they forgot about their breathing patterns and their pelvic floor was was like locked up. Their pelvis was locked up. They oftentimes had very, very long labors. Baby was in a malposition and you know, all of that. So that's not to say we shouldn't do Pilates. It's also, I just want to, you know, emphasize the importance of making this a part of your routine, not the routine. We have to be also focusing on our breathing, relaxing the belly, relaxing the pelvic floor. And that brings me into, you know, this final topic in the postpartum period. I've got a book right here, Katie Bowman's Diastasis Recti. One of the big fears that women have, albeit very, very um, uncommon, is a persistent large gap between the layers of the, the rectus abdominis muscles. There's a gap that forms physiologically in pregnancy that closes afterwards, but not for all women. So I was, I was, you know, thinking about the core work and all of that. And I was wondering if we're, if we're tensing the muscles around a hard immovable object, are we going to exacerbate this gap within the linea alba, this, this connective tissue that holds those muscles together? And I haven't really come to any conclusions, but but I'm, I'm, well, I wrote an article about it. I'll send to you. Oh, please. Well, do you want to spin on that a little bit? Do you have any insights into that? Because I think a lot of yeah, women are really it. afraid. So um, doing... Uh, oh, baby's waking up. We'll see if I can bounce a little bit. Yeah. 
We'll wrap it up soon, Christiana. You've been so generous with your time. <laughs> okay. So, um, so basically doing core exercises the way people did um, pre-pregnancy will probably make it worse. Yeah. You know, most people do them too hard, too fast, um, without a lot of conscious awareness, without um, following the rhythm of their breath. Um, and so the core work should be maintained, but it should be kind of relearned, you know. Uh, and so I think I mentioned this earlier. If you If you take a year off working your core... You're, it's it's going to atrophy. It's going to be hard to rehab. It's going to be hard to re-engage, you know, when when you're ready to start again. Um, so there should be some maintenance maintenance um, early on. So so early in your pregnancy, you can keep doing your planks. You can keep doing your crunches, but learn to slow down. Learn to use your core to kind of roll your body up with your as you exhale and um, engage your pelvic floor. You know. Uh, I, I just take a much more mindful approach to core activities um, during pregnancy, and and then they can be maintained, you know, with minor adjustments. Like I said earlier, I, I um, in the second and third trimester, I have women get on an incline on a on a stability ball. Yeah. Um, so then their their lower back is you know supported in the curve of that ball, and they can roll their lower they can they can roll their lower abs, you know, the their hips up at the same time they're rolling their their shoulders off the ball. So everything's just just slow and controlled and mindful, um, and you're not just, you know, cranking out 100 yeah. punches. Yeah, right. As fast as possible, the CrossFit way yeah. or Orange Theory and all that. It has to be much more intentional. I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. And um and and the same postpartum with with um with postpartum rehab. So I was just talking pregnancy. Just just quickly, I tell people it will close up on its own, like you said, unless you make it worse. And so many people, you know, I even noticed myself and I know better right after I um, gave birth, like it, literally in the hospital, the first night I woke up in a panic because of course I think like, you know, my mo- new mama brain's like, it made me suffocated. You know, I sat straight up out of bed and I was like, oh, that didn't feel good. Oh, yeah. About that, yeah. You know, and um, we just kind of forget that our bodies have just been through a lot and they're they don't move and operate like like they did before pregnancy. So yeah. um, teaching techniques to roll over and push yourself up instead of sitting straight up. Um, and then also, if you have other kids, you know, uh, you probably know as as a dad, when you're in the driver's seat and you reach back to the car seat and yep. you're like straining to get to, you know, had hand your kid a sippy cup or something, that like twisting under tension yep. is really not good for those, you know, freshly, freshly, uh, birthed abs yeah what you want to call it but yeah yeah um so just just being mindful kind of you know using your whole torso rather than like a deep twist um especially when when you are under you know tension like reaching for something or absolutely holding a baby amazing well if you had your way what would we do to change this whole this whole problem of of women not getting this type of counseling in their in their maternity visits yeah, well, I'm glad you asked. Where do we start? <laughs> yeah, I think um, I, I think it needs to be prioritized in in medical training. I I think honestly, you know, continuing education might be good for some people, but it's still going to be those people like you who actually seek it out. Yeah. I think it has to be a foundational, you know, core component of um, of medical training in med school and fellowship and er, residency and fellowship. Uh, it has to be even just talked about, you know, I, I, like 
I don't expect it all to change overnight and, and this to be, you know, a high priority, but I feel like it needs to be a part of the conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Life, there, there should be one course in med school about preventative health care, you know, through, through lifestyle changes and lifestyle counseling using evidence-based methods. Um, yeah. 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 Yeah, I, th- I guess if I had... Hopefully we'll get there. Yeah, I, if, I think if I had my way, I'd have like a panel. I'd have you, I'd have Lindsay Cantu of BirthFit, I'd ha- I, and who's also a chiropractor. I'd have Mike Salemi. He made a, a program called Kettlebell Lifestyle, which you, you would find just amazing. And it mm-hmm. uh, it's all around the combination of balancing out, you know, are you motivated and feeling well before you exercise? If you're not, maybe it's not a good day to be pushing yourself. And then also it's the postural alignment, it's the breathing, and it's the importance of full range of movement while you're in good postural you know, alignment. That is really, I think, where it's at. I'd have you guys all on a panel, maybe Julie Weave as well, the physiotherapist, super um, just so gifted in how she thinks about the, our breathing patterns, our dysfunctional and paradoxical breathing patterns, and how that actually mm-hmm. impacts the pelvic floor. The breath is so important. So yeah. important. You mentioned the pelvic floor and... I was thinking, you know, kegels have gotten a little bit of a bad reputation sure. um, in, in recent years. Um, but I think it's because the focus was on tightening. But if you can use kegels, I used what what's called like the, the elevator exercise. Yeah. Where you focus on raising it up all the floors and then focus on lowering it down. I love that. Floors. I love that exercise. It's fantastic. So you're learning to release at the same time you're learning to contract, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, I'm sorry. I don't mean to keep bringing up things. It's just... No, we could go for another hour. In fact, maybe after, you know, after some time, we'll have you back. Maybe you'll have some new insights. Maybe you'll have a book or something. Is there anything you're working on that you want people to, to know about as we wrap well, up? Right now, I'm just trying to stay, you know, saying you three young kids, but. <laughs> that's, um, a, that's a project in and of itself, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, my next, my next step, I want to do some grand rounds for obstetrics programs um, and, and, and really just kind of see you know, the the interest and the gaps in current obstetric um, uh, fellowship programs and residency. Yeah, yeah. And then hopefully the in the next, you know, five or 10 years, um, create a book that, that can be, you know, supplemental training for, for obstetrics pro- programs. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just a small kind of, even if it's part of an elective course, just like... Um, yeah. I, so that's kind of my, I, I have, I have some thinking and work to do around what would be in it. Cause I don't want to write something based on what I think they need to know. What, you know, what are they willing to know? Yeah. <laughs> what are they yeah. willing to learn? Yeah. Um, and if there's any I, like med students out there, if you're interested in exercise and all this, like if you go to your school, um, what, what happened with me is we had a small gym that was associated with a medical school. I went to Temple and out in, in North Philly. They had all this old kind of iron equipment. The women never wanted to go in there because it was a bunch of dudes just grunting and stuff. Yeah, it was small. Yeah, there was no windows. And I was like, I was in really into CrossFit. I just finished my Ironman stuff. It was like, I don't have time for that anymore, but I'm going to start honing in on some Olympic lifts and kettlebell training. And I just reached out to the I, the guy at the front desk and I said, listen, is there any way we could get some bumper plates and some other gear like medicine balls and things? And he's like, we've been waiting for somebody to ask us about how to improve this. Like we, we have a big budget. We've haven't spent it. They had five grand. Incredible. They gave me all $5,000 to go on a shopping spree on rogue. And this is when CrossFit was at like it's, it's peak. And we had this whole thing decked out. And as people saw me exercising, their other classmates would come join men and women, mostly men, but 
We would have a whole workout group three times a week and we would I'd design the workout and we would do it. If you aren't engaging in this now as a medical student, you're not going to really be, feel very motivated or incentivized to do it later for your clients. So, um, and I say clients because if you're pregnant, you're not sick. I just wanted to clarify in case you were wondering why I was. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, thank you so much, Christiana. Dr. Rebel, Rebel um, uh, where can people find you if they wanted to either read your work or uh, maybe even just send you an email to chat with you? Yeah. Um, well, it's christianarebell.com. It's just kind of my, you know, it's like business card website. And then um, I'm on LinkedIn and um, Great. I just started an Instagram recently for, for my professional life. How, how exciting for you, Instagram. <laughs> I can't stand social media, honestly. Um, but I was like, I should be on here. Yeah, you and everybody else, we're all like, I hate it. But as it gets so much, it allows me really to have a platform to talk about things like this. And we will definitely be promoting this episode on Instagram. Um, Christiana, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. This has been a real pleasure. Thanks. Take care. Christiana can be found um, on Twitter at Dr. Rebel. That's D-R-R-E-B-E-L-L-E. -E -E. Um, I will link her original research in the show description as well as the podcast notes, which can be found at belovedholistics.com slash podcast. If anything about this episode touched you in any way, inspired you in any way, share with your friends. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow, um, subscribe, I should say, to my YouTube channel, um, it's very, very easy to find that. We've included all of that in the show notes and the podcast description. And most importantly, support our sponsors. This episode was graciously brought to you by Weenatal, Immune Intel HCC, Bioptimizers, Organifi, and BirthFit, all brands that I am very much in align with, alignment with and that I am very, very honored to have as a part of keeping this incredible program running. I'm Nathan Riley. I'm the Holistic OBGYN. I will see you next time right here uh, on the podcast. If you're looking for the Born Free Method, go to bornfreemethod.com. Sarah Rosser and I have created the most comprehensive pregnancy and postpartum support program out there that you will ever need. It's It takes data. It takes spirituality. It takes intimacy and connection. Um, it takes lifestyle modification, all of those things to the next level. It is unlike anything else out there. And with your purchase, you get unlimited access for a lifetime, including all future updates. You get guided meditations, you're going to get 12 months of weekly calls with me and Sarah. There is This is game-changing, guys. This is putting boots on the ground and really starting to, to tease out how we can um, build a life raft and create an alternative um, to the maternity care system that is failing so many women and couples across the United States and really across the world. This is becoming a worldwide issue. Um, so go to bornfreemethod.com and book an enrollment call. We'd love to get you into our family. I'll see you next week right right back here, guys, on the Holistic OBGYN podcast. Take care. Thanks. Mm -hmm.